rest. Lord, help us get this job done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Word and Spirit. Our semester is coming to close. Actually, next week is our last week together. You know, uh, seems like it went by fast, but we sure had a whole lot of time to teach. That's, that's one good thing with all the COVID stuff. I, I'm here and able to teach more. Uh, usually, I have a, a great struggle trying to get what I want to talk about because sometimes I only get six to seven or eight times uh, to speak in the semester, but uh, last couple of years we've been able to do that. So there, there's a blessing in, in all the things that are happening in the world, praise the Lord. And uh, so tonight uh, we're going to continue, and next week we're going to finish up. I'm already excited for next week because um, I'll be getting some things that uh, I don't think I really taught on before that I, I think you'd find most interesting and it ought to interest you because you'll, you'll be experiencing it. You'll, you know, what's going on, you know, uh, in the ages to come. And so uh, I'm, I'm just really excited about it. But to, in order to get there, we, we have to get through some things, you know, on the timeline and so forth. And so, um, of course, we've been talking about matters of eternity and security. And we kind of finished that off and it, it set us in a direction on talking about judgments and uh, again that has to do with the end times has to do with things that pertain to uh, eternity and security and uh, things that we've covered thus far and we're going to try to do in theory a quick review and again you know what that means in theory that means I'm going to try we'll just see how well that goes of course there are three judgments that every believer will face and that's important to know you know, uh, if you go to school and uh, you don't know a test is coming, I mean, you know, you ain't going to prepare for it. But when you know a test is coming, you, you know what you need to do in order to be prepared. And so uh, we're, we looked at three judgments every believer will face. Of course, number one, the judgment at the cross. Now, the great thing about that, we all pass that one. Yeah. Glory to God. We were judged in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us. We, we were identified in Christ, and, and really, I, I doubt that most of us really understand that, that we were in Him. When He was made sin, He was made our sin. When He went to hell, it was like if we went to hell with Him. And uh, when He rose again from the dead, we were with Him. And that's why the Bible says uh, in 1 John 4, 4, you know, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, meaning the works of darkness. It's, it's a past thing. And it said, not, not him, but we overcame him. How did we overcome him? We were in him. When Jesus defeated Satan, we were in him. We were quickened together with him. And we were raised together with him. And so it's as we were there, praise the Lord. It's, it's as if we defeated Satan. And, so, and we're seated at the Father's right hand. So all of us were judged in Christ. And our whole redemption, our whole faith is based on this judgment. And uh, we we're judged righteous, we were judged healed, we were judged prosperous. Everything that God provided for us in Christ, we were judged. It, it, this, 
it's already been, a settlement's already been made. We, we don't need to, to try to get any of these things. It's already been settled. So thank God we've all passed judgment number one. Now judgment number two is self-judgment. And we saw uh, this judgment is a continual process all through our life that we are to judge ourselves. Because the Bible says if we don't judge ourselves, we are judged of the Lord. That way we're not condemned with the world and so self-judgment what is that if there's sin uh we we judge ourselves we got to stop that and if we're having a hard time we still judge it and and ask the lord to help us and he's gracious to help us and it's important to always uh, uh be honest before him and also we looked at sometimes we need to judge ourselves with weights what are weights not necessarily sin but they slow us down spiritually and, and really, in, in my life in ministry, um, you know, uh, most of God's dealings, you know, about that, to, that I need to judge myself about weights, things that slow me down. And uh, as you grow with the Lord, sometimes uh, to go up, you have to, what? Give up. And so it's a continual process. Then uh, we looked at the third judgment every believer will face. And that is the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema seat. We've been uh, quite a few weeks on this one, and, uh, and this is the first time we've been able to go into great detail. Whenever I've talked about this before, it, it, you know, if I'm preaching in another church, or so, I, I have to get in 40 minutes. And so we, we've been going like four weeks on this. And, and, and I thank God that we've had the time to go into detail to find out about the judgment seat of Christ. What does the Bible say about it? What can we expect? How can we, we get a good grade on the judgment seat of Christ? Again, what is the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat? It's when we stand before the Lord and give account for our lives. Now that is so important. And uh, like Reverend Greer said, it's not being preached. Most Christians have no idea that when, when, they, you know, when Jesus comes, they're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. Uh, you know, many believers just believe, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and I can live my life and get to go to heaven. Well, thank God you can get to heaven that way. But uh, there's a test coming that each one of us is going to stand before the Lord. Now, personally, I want to know that. And I want to live my life based on that. And so we've been looking at the judgment seat of Christ. And again, this judgment seat of Christ is not whether you get to heaven or not. How do we get to heaven? By that first judgment. We were judged in Christ. He made us worthy of heaven. And so we've looked at various, various scriptures. The law of two or three witnesses. Uh, we, we, we just blew that away. So many scriptures and really... Uh, we, we can't look at all of them because we, we, we got to get to the end of the world here by tomorrow, um, next week. And so, so that's, we, we, we got to get to this judgment seat of Christ and finish it off. So uh, let's go ahead and look at one more verse on the judgment seat of Christ. And from there, we're going to get into our, our next thought and this does have to do with the Bema Seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to just read a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. And the reason I'm going to go ahead and read and not wait for pages to stop turning is because i got a lot of ground to cover. 
And it says this, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, meaning Jesus. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There it is again. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. So here, another reference to the judgment seat of Christ, or we saw in the Greek, it's the word bima. And so every one of us is going to stand before the Lord. Now, we're going to dissect this, and it's going to help us uh, what to expect or what kind of attitude we should have concerning the Bema Seat of Christ. And so we'll just kind of dissect it. Wherefore, because of this, what does it say? We labor. Now, what is labor? That means work. So knowing that we're going to stand before the Lord motivates us to labor or to work. Now, work or works are a very interesting thing in these last days. Um, there, there is a school of thought that our works don't matter. You know, everything uh, is, was done in Christ and, uh, you know, we're judging him. And so our, our works don't matter. You can do what you want. As long as you, you trust the Lord, you'll be okay. Well, when it comes to salvation, yes, we, we are not saved by works. But we have to understand our works are very important to the master. How do we know this? Well, number one, we, we saw it over and over again that we're going to be judged for our works. But all you have to do is read the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, the letters addressed to the seven churches. Now, those are so important uh, because you see how God or Jesus views the church and what is important to him concerning them standing before him. And so I study those seven letters to the churches over and over and over again. Now, what is the thing, the number one thing that Jesus addressed with every church? He said over and over, I know thy works. And he had a little chit-chat about the works. He had a chit-chat of the good works, the bad works, and the ugly works. And so what is that? That those letters are a precursor or uh, a, 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 just to give us light about what the Lord is looking for in his church or what the Lord is looking for in us and what is important to him. And so we see works are important. So here Paul says, because of we're going to stand before Jesus, we labor. So works or labor are important to the Lord. So what is our work? Well, you hear us say it all the time, we got to get this job done. You know, of course, we understand the, the Great Commission you know, reaching out, uh, you know, doing the work of the ministry, uh, but uh, primarily for all of us, all of us, it's running our race, that um, we all have a race to run, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's at the finish line, so we ought to be running our race unto Jesus by, uh, you know, doing what God has called us to do, using our gifts and talents for him. Uh, sharing our faith, 
doing good deeds, helping people, blessing people, uh, being pleasing unto Him. You know, all these things are components of laboring for the Lord. And so, why do we want to do this? Because the more good works we have, the, the better it is for us standing before Him. You know, we want Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't want to have to have Him to say, well, you're done down there. Come on in. Now, thank God for the grace of God. I tell you, thank God people are going to get in by the skin of their teeth, did nothing, lived a selfish life, you know, never told anyone about Jesus, never, never did anything for the Lord, never served in church, and just did. Thank God they get in. Thank God for that. But uh, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want that testimony. You know, I, I want to... I, my goal is I, I want to be able to throw a crown at Jesus' feet. When he comes around, throw that crown. You know, and what, what did that denote? That a crown is probably the highest reward in heaven. That you, you served and labored, gave your life for him. And be able to throw that down. Says This is nothing compared to you and, and as a praise and honor and adoration unto him. And so, so Paul understood that. We labor because one day we'll stand before him. Now, again, the next phrase here. We labor there, whether present or absence, absent. And uh, there's a whole lot here that we can't get into. And uh, you, do, you know, laboring, working for him does not end on the earth. You know, you know a lot of times we say, well, yeah, my retirement, I just... Just going to wander. and say, No, there's, there's work in heaven to do. And, uh, you know, there, there's going to be school in heaven. And, it, you know, what you, some things you didn't learn down here, you're going to have to learn it up here. And so it, it isn't going to, you know, you're never going to be bored in heaven. There, there's always going to be something up there. But uh, notice it says this, whether present or absent. You know, in school they took attendance. If you were in school, you were what? Present. If you're not in school, you're absent. Now, when someone dies, you know how we take attendance? Someone dies, we say they're absent from here. All right? When heaven takes attendance, when someone is dead, they're present. They're absent here, but present there. And so, you know... We, the Lord is just the opposite. What we call absent, he calls present with him. And so whether you're absent from the earth or absent from heaven or present on the earth or present in heaven, uh, we labor. We, we labor because why? It tells us that we may be accepted of him. Ooh. We work because we want to be accepted of him. Now, that word accepted, I'm reading the King James, can be a little misleading. Now, I know the religious holiness people love the King James because, man, they could put people in fear and bondage and, you know, make sure that they live right and, and so forth. And they've gone to excess. But I think we could use a little bit more of that preaching nowadays. But the word accepted almost sounds like, well, if we do right, he accepts us. If we don't do right, he rejects us. But a better rendering of that word, and maybe your translation says it, that we may be pleasing to him. That we, we labor because we want to please him. 
please him because we love him. And so, you know, we, we do this because one day we're going to stand before him and, and we want to, him to say, well done. You know, and probably the greatest honor is for Jesus to say, thank you. Thank you. And, and uh, when you get there and says, they're here because of you. They're here because of you. They're here because of you. They're, they're here because, because of you. To, to please them. And so... And then goes on, again, we, we could take a lot of time on all of this, but we got to get to the end of the world. Um, maybe pleasing to him, for we must all, again, there it is, all of us, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat. And so all of us are going to appear before Jesus and give account of our lives. Again, so many scriptures. Now, why do we need to do this? Why won't the Lord just leave us alone? Why, 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 you know, you know, why, why couldn't we just be born again, do whatever we want and get into heaven? Why, why put this little flying ointment, Lord? Why put this, this thing hovering over our heads? That we're going to stand before you and give account. Well, the next verse tells us why. Well, the next phrase. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according as he has done. The reason we're going to stand before him and give account of our life on earth and our works is for, the, for him to be able to reward us. You know, again, this judgment seat is not for, mm, you're bad, you're bad, you know, you, I'm so disappointed in you. No, he, he wants you to stand before him. That way he can reward you for your works. And so, works are important. When Jesus, in those seven letters to the churches, he said, I know thy works and he addressed what they needed to correct in their works. Now, why all the correction? Why, you know, I have this against you. You know, you need to change this. Why all this? You know, it, we can always take the Bible in a negative sense. But you have to understand, the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And you have to understand, Jesus is a God of love, and we interpret these in the law, in the light of love. That uh, the reason Jesus uh, gets on them, so to speak, for his works, is that way they can receive a maximum reward in heaven. Because we see this. Jesus said, I need you to straighten that out. Uh, your works are not right. Then he said, if, any, if you'll do this. If any man overcome, then he starts saying, then you can get prize number one, prize number two, prize number three. And so that's important to see. The reason, if you read the book of Revelation letters, it said, oh my God, oh my God. No, that is Jesus in love and saying, you know, if, if you'll make this correction, then you can have this. If you make this correction, when you, then you can be rewarded with this. And so... Uh, so many, and I, I could take time and show you this is the mindset. 
Uh, Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no man take your crown. So what, what Jesus, this whole context, Jesus is trying to help them get rewarded. That's why he says, now, now hang on to that. Because if you hang on to that, you'll get a crown. But if you let go of that, let the crown be lost to you. And again, the works, the works. And the same thing, we, we have to understand when the Holy Ghost deals with us, it's not the Lord's mad with us or displeased with us. He, he, he does it for our profit in order for us to run our race well and be rewarded for our race. Now, the very next phrase is very interesting. That we'll, it, it says this, that, uh, that we'll receive according to what we've done, whether good or bad. We're going to receive what is due us, whether it's good or bad. Now, again, the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. You know, being Pentecostal holiness and the way I was raised and my personality, I can just picture Jesus up there. Bad, bad, just like a dog. Bad, bad, bad. You know, bad is a bad word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but... Again, that's why we study. And uh, if you have a, a modern translation or just look this word up in the Greek, the word bad is worthless. Pastor, I like bad better than worthless. Let's stick with bad. Worthless, not us being worthless. Not us being bad. It's talking about the works we produce. The works. Now, Again, I'm going to bring up a scripture that ties in really good here, and we looked at this before, 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. Just listen to this. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work, so it's talking about these precious metals likened to work, um, Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day. And we looked at that, the day, meaning when we stand before him, shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, the fire shall try every man's work, which sword it is. If any man's work abide, which is built thereon, shall receive a reward. But if any man's work be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but himself shall be saved so by fire. And so this is what he's talking about, worthless. Again, our works is like, could be gold, silver, and precious stones. You, you pass it through the fire, or you pass through Jesus' judgment, it stays. That's good. That's a valuable. That's Jesus' display. I can reward that. But if our works are wood, hay, and stubble, and it doesn't pass through the test, how I many know after fire, Wood, hay, and stubble just turns to ash. It's, it's worthless. You can't, can't do much with it. And that's what it means, that you, your works, it, it don't pass. And it's worthless in the sense that Jesus cannot reward you for it. Again, this is not whether you get into heaven or not. And see, I love what Paul said here. Himself shall be saved, yet so by fire. We're still going to go through it. And even if you just did your own life, did your own thing, and didn't really take the Lord seriously, and you had nothing to show, thank God they still get in heaven. I thank God for the grace of God. And so, uh, so this is the Bema seat. 
We will stand, our works will be rewarded. And we must really live our lives being mindful and cognizant, cognitive of we're going to stand before the Lord and live every day with that in mind and every day being really works minded now that sounds like bondage folks will challenge you and say that is that is law but we're showing showing you clearly jesus is going to come for our works we're going to stand before uh, the lord jesus christ for our works and so we ought to be works minded every day get up when we get up it says you know i'm going to stand before the jesus today um what can i do for him uh how can i help people how, how, how can I, I run my race, uh, whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him? Now, let's look a little bit about works here. Hebrews 6.10, again, just for the sake of time, I'll just give you the references. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, again, that word, work and labor of love which you show towards his name, and that you administer the saints and do minister. Now, I, I love this, that God calls forgetting what someone does for you as unrighteous. And see, God is not unrighteous. How many, how many have ever forgot, people have forgot you've done something for them, and they'll act like you never did anything for them? That's our problem, Right? We, we just turn the other cheek, we let it go. You know, someone ought to write a song about letting it go. But God is not unrighteous. It may be forgotten by others. How you help them, sacrifice for them. You, you, you did things in secret that no man knows and it goes unappreciated. But the Lord will see everything. You know, and we really, really don't have time for this because we've got to get to the end of the world. Remember when Jesus said, when, when you pray in secret, you close the door. Don't, don't go pray out, you know, and let everyone see, you know, and tell them how much you pray and what, you, what things you experience in prayer. But Jesus said, when, when you do that for the praise of men, that's your reward. But man... If you do it in secret, no one knows you prayed about them. No, no one knows you prayed things out and so forth and gave yourself to prayer. Jesus said, I saw that. It will not go unnoticed and it will be rewarded. I mean, fasting, your alms. We, we could just take that over and over again. That, that every deed, every good deed is noticed by the Lord. And will not be forgotten. There are things that you did for people. You plain forgot. But you know. In judgment day. The Lord is going to bring that up. Because he, he is not unrighteous. If you did something for someone. He wants to be able to reward that for you. Now. Very interesting. Something else Jesus said. In Matthew 10. 42. And I don't think we, we really understand the extent of this. And whosoever shall give you a drink, a drink unto the one of these little ones, a cup of cold water, only in name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, shall no wise lose his reward. Imagine that. I don't know who got me this water. That seems very insignificant. 
Anybody can do that. Doesn't take much effort, much talent, much time. But God says, if you did that, the very least thing, it, it, it does not go unnoticed and you'll be rewarded for it. See, a lot of people are, well, I'm not a missionary. Uh, you know, I can't do anything. You can give a cup of cold water to someone. You can open the door. You, 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 there are little acts of kindnesses you can do. Uh, help a little lady cross the street, you know. You know, pick up trash out of someone's yard. Something we all can do. And here, Lord says, if you do the slightest little thing, you'll not lose your reward. So all of us can be involved. Kids, you can get involved in this. All right. So it's, it tells us the smallest of gestures will not go unnoticed by the Lord. The smallest of gesture, gestures will not go unrewarded. And so, I mean, every day we can be given a cup of cold water. I mean, every gift, every, every prayer, everything can be just accumulating. Um, and so we should be prompted to do acts of love every day. 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19, again, just for reference, I'll read it to you. That they do good, they be rich in good works. Can you see how many times works is mentioned in the New Testament? And, and yet, in, in some camps, they say, oh, don't use that word. You're, you're getting into the law. It's all through there. We're ordained into good works. We got born again for good works. And here it says, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Why? Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold of an eternal life. So what he's saying, be rich in good works, every good work, helping people, you know, distributing to needs and assisting people. You're laying in store for that day. It's being heaped, heaped, heaped upon uh, in your account that when you stand before Jesus and you look back and you see this massive uh, video clips and, and good deeds and you just thought, well, I just gave a cup of cold water. I, I just cleaned the church. I, 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 just, I was just ushering. I, I just helped my neighbor, you know, you know cut her grass. And here it says that you be rich in that. When you're rich on good works on the earth, it, it's heaped up for that day. It's tallied up. And the Lord doesn't, his accountant, it just, just keeps tallying and telling. You know, you ought to just keep angels so busy on recording everything you do. And again, not, I'm not talking about going out and being a missionary. But I'm talking about every day, acts of, every day helping people. Every day doing something. Every day praying and so forth. Okay. So, we're going to stand before the Lord. The beam of seat. We're going to give an account of our lives. That can be still unsettling. The Bible says there is no fear in judgment. He that has fear is not developed in love. And so when, when, when you understand that when you stand before Jesus, he is the Lord of love, you'll have no fear standing before him. 
But if you have fear, you're not made perfect in love. It's King James. You, you, don't, you don't have a revelation, your love for him, and a revelation of love for your brother, your, your fellow man. And so when, when you understood as much as you've done, at least these my brethren, you've done unto me, whoo, I treated Jesus right in the earth. And there he is. I treated you right all my life. You can have confidence standing before him. Now, I used to have trouble with this because, you know, Jesus, I was caught up to heaven, March 26, 2006, get ready, come coming, you know, studying on the Bema seat, studying about standing before him. And, and, and I went to prayer and said, Lord, you want, you want me to tell people about this? And I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm ready for it myself. I'm just, you know, I, I've had bad experiences. Now, I know you all are sanctified, but, you know, I, I've been in principal's office more than once. And... Um, you know, I, I've stood before a judge. It was Nancy's fault, but I stood before a judge. <laughs> you know, and it just, you know, our car, uh, uh, something, it, it wouldn't pass inspection. It needed a part. And of course, we want to get inspected. It needed a part, so they ordered the part. And of course, it can't pass inspection without the part, and so they give you a 10-day grace. Well, it, it took a couple of weeks for that to come in, and she gets caught. She should just floored it and... One on royal shoes, but and so we have to go to court. And uh, there's a certain a Fredonia judge who is now in heaven, a dear man, great at his job. But man, you, you don't want to get on the bad side. Just like my principal, you didn't want to get on his bad side. He's still alive, so I can't use his name. I didn't use the judge's name, but he's in heaven. And so the case before us, a woman wants to get the restraining order off of her boyfriend. And uh, he says, you get the blanket, you get out of the courtroom. If I see you once again, I'm going to put your blanket blank in jail. Boom. Next. And it's us. And so I stand before him. And he, he, he gives out a judgment before I can I say anything. Bam, you're going to pay a fine, bam, bam. And I says, can, can, can I say something? And I says, the, the reason is, I explained, we did get inspected, we need to part, we ordered the part, it took longer than they expected, and, got, and, and okay, do this, and, you know, and only pay the court fee, buy next. Well, I'm thinking that's, you know, here my principal, and you, we don't even want to go with my principal. <laughs> I've seen my principal, and I, it, he'd go to jail today, he'd take a student and bam, hit his head on the desk and blood would come on his desk. We were afraid of him. And I've sat in his office more than once. And you just didn't know what, what was going to happen. Thank God I knew how to play him a little bit anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and so here I'm thinking, Jesus, bam, what's wrong with you, son? You know, get out of my courtroom. You know, get out of here. What's wrong with you? Oh, Jesus. But he brought it, these things to my remembrance. He says, son, you got it all wrong. I, and, and he's the one who reminded me. I forgot all about the judge. I remember the principal. And he says, son, I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. And he, said, and he said this. A better way of looking at it is, you know, with your county fair, you have that 4-H. Because we go see the animals and like that. And you see all these ribbons. And, and, and all these, these people for, for the county fair, when... when, when they're going to have a competition and so forth. And they bring 
all of their animals before the judge. They look forward to that. It's the highlight of their year. And they start weeks, months ahead of time, start preparing their animals. Uh, and, uh, you know, whatever they're going to present, start grooming them, feeding them. And they bring them before uh, the judge, and I don't know how they judge these things. You know, one chicken looks the same to another. One sheep looks the same to, as another to me. But they understand these. And so they're excited to bring all these things before the judge in order to get rewarded. And he said, he said also this. It's, it's also like maybe a, a, a baking or cooking contest. That uh, when there's a baking cooking contest, people enter because they want to enter. And they bring out their best recipes. And they start getting ready for it. And he said this, the more they bring to the, the cook-off or the, bake, the baking competition, the more chances of winning a prize. And they look forward to it. This is, look forward to my coming. Look forward and, and live your life every day that I'm bringing stuff to that competition in order to be rewarded. I don't know about you, but that helped me. And so, let's talk a little bit about rewards. Here, our works are going to be judged in order to be rewarded. And we have to understand, and this is motivating, that how we serve the Lord here will be known throughout all eternity, and others will know how we served Him. And the best way I can look at it is a military parade. When you have a military parade, all these soldiers are, are in the parade. And it's the March of Honor. They're, they're, they're wearing their uniforms. They're wearing their stripes. They're wearing their pins, their medals. You know, and every rank, every pin, every medal, every adornment meant something how they served their nation. And those that are no could say, oh, he did this. He got to this rank. Oh, oh, he was wounded. And, and it's, a, it's a mark that they carry out throughout their lives. And, and in these parades, really, we, we honor them for it. And you have to understand, throughout all eternity, we're just not up there floating on clouds. But there, there are ranks, there are adornment, adornments, there are rewards that we will carry throughout all eternity with us. That not only the Lord knows what we did, but all of our brothers and sisters will know what we've done, how we serve the Lord for Him. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, the Bible says we persuade men. And so, thank God, you can get into heaven just by being saved. And some people, that's their goal, just, just to, to get in, you know, and I think that's one part they will have remorse and sorrow. There's no remorse and sorrow, but realize, I, I wasted my life on me. I, I could have I lived my life for him. And so, I believe all of us are like I am. Well, bless God, I want to have the most medals. I want to have the highest rank. If I, I'm going to live, I, you know, no one, no one, no, no Olympian goes in there and says, you know, my goal is just to be second from the last. Yeah, that's my goal. I, I, I just, I, I, I want to come second to the last. Just, just make it in. No, they run to win the race. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, so run I 
you know, to, to win. And so we want to run well. So what kind of rewards await us? You know, on earth, if someone enters a competition, they enter it knowing what the prizes are. Serving the Lord is no less. You know, a lot of times because we haven't studied, we just, well, we'll just figure out when we get there. We, we just hope we qualify. We hope we, we do all right. No, we have the Bible to know what is all right. We, we know if we ran well. And uh, Jesus, in the book of Revelation, tells us exactly what awaits us. And other things, references of Paul and Peter and, and other apostles, tell us the rewards that we can earn. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, the seven churches, Jesus told them exactly what they would get if they overcame this. Exactly. He, he, what Jesus did in the seventh letter, he says, this is the prize, and if you take care of that, you get this. It, it, it's not an obscure thing, and it will just hope. No, Jesus, Jesus told them exactly, told us exactly what they would receive. Now, 2 Timothy 4.7 says this, Paul, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Three things there. We don't have time to teach on them. They're powerful. Okay, so he finished his race. Henceforth, that means because I did that, what? There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord the righteous judge shall give me in that day that day is the beam of seat and not only to me only but also that love is appearing you see what Paul is saying he knew the crown he was getting before he had the crown why just like Jesus told the church of Revelation you, you overcome you do this you get this and see he understood what the rewards were, and he knew he qualified and says, I am getting that. And the beam of seat hasn't even occurred yet. And he knows there's a crown waiting for him. So he knew there was a crown. He knew how to get it. And he, and, and he knew that he qualified for the crown. You know what? We should too. It, it ought not. You know, it's the same thing like uh, with ministers and ministries, uh, with phases. You know, you ask most ministers, they have no idea what phase they're in. You, you, you can know. You can know. I know I'm in the fourth phase, and I'm on the latter part of my phase, and I'm just about ready to get into the fullness of my ministry. Just, just, it's time. You know, here I've been in ministry 35 years, and just all that preparation for a time that is just right here. All right. So we should know. So let's look at some of the rewards that wait you and I. Paul mentions the crown, so why don't we start with crowns. According to the Bible, there are five crowns that can be earned. Now, are there only five? I don't know. The Bible only mentions five. There could be more. Just because it's not mentioned in the Bible doesn't mean there isn't more there. But we must stick with the Bible. So at least five crowns. So let's quickly look at them. And again, for sake of time, I'll just give references. Number one, the crown of rejoicing. 
1 Thessalonians 2, 19, 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? You are our glory and our joy. So Paul mentions a crown of rejoicing. This crown rejoicing is also referred to as the soul winner's crown. It's given to those who have helped fulfill the Great Commission. Very interesting. Jesus showed Brother Hagen this crown. And I'm just going to read. This can be found, I believe, in visions. Jesus was standing there. And this is the first vision, September 2nd, 1950. Jesus was standing there. And I stood in his presence. And he was holding a crown in his hands. This crown was so extraordinary ordinarily beautiful that no human language could begin to describe it and Jesus told me this is a soul winner's crown or the crown of rejoicing King James now Jesus had a little commentary here and so Jesus now remember in the book of Revelation he says you need to work on this if you, you overcome this you get this so the modern day church, Jesus has something that we all have to overcome in order to get this. My people are so careless and indifferent. Jesus saying this, not me, Jesus. This crown is for every one of my children. So what he's saying when it comes to the crown, every one of you can have this. Now listen, I speak and I say, go speak to this one or pray for that one. But my people are too busy. That's why we call it a cuss word, that word busy. They put it off and souls are lost because they will not obey me. When Jesus said that, I wept before him and I, I knelt down and penned my failures. Then Jesus said unto me, come up hither and seem like we went through the air into a beautiful city. We did not actually go into the city. So he's caught up to heaven. And uh, Jesus said this to him. Jesus said, my people selfishly say they're ready for heaven. They talk about their mansions and the glory of heaven, while many around them live in darkness and hopelessness. Jesus said, I should share my hope with them, invite them to come to heaven with me. I know it's heavy, Rebbe. We're being rebuked as a generation from Jesus. But why does love do that? Whom the Lord loveth, he corrects. Why is he correcting? Because he wants all of us to have the soul winner's crown. And I love what Jesus said. If we would just obey the Lord, if God tells us to speak to someone, speak to them. God tells us to pray, pray. Well, Jesus never asked me to talk to anyone, pray for anyone. Well, are you open to it? I, I you know, um, if you just go to Walmart and get your milk and eggs and run out I've known God's not going to talk to you because you've got your own agenda. But if you go and say, Lord, I'm open. Lord, is anyone you need me to talk to? Or just go in and just be aware and just see if your spirit picks up on anybody. Now, don't get me wrong. Somebody more there and I, I don't get anything. But if he does, you obey that. You know, he's not telling you to go pass out tracks on the street. He's telling you to obey him, when, when, to be open to him. And to speak or to pray for people. This crown be, can be yours. If the price is right. If you overcome carelessness and indifferent. Okay.
So, amen. Second one, crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. We, we read this. For I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. Henceforth there is a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteousness, should give me in that day, not to me only, but all them that, that love is appearing. Again, you see, it's not just for the Apostle Paul, it's for everybody. The soul winner's crown for everybody. All right? This crown is granted those who followed and fulfilled God's plan for their life. That's why it's important to run your race. Now, a lot of times, and this is, this is so important, we think that big ministries will get more rewards in heaven. But you have to understand the law of God, where much is given, much is required. Being faithful in the ministry of helps can earn a crown if you run your race well. Listen to what Brother Hagin said, and it's so important. It's, this is from the book, He Gave This to Men. Also remember... This, that God rewards faithfulness. He does not reward offices. An apostle or prophet won't receive any more rewards than anyone else who's faithful to do what God has called them to do. You may call to serve in the ministry of helps, and if you're faithful, I mean, you're your candidate for the rewards, where, where someone who is a missionary, someone who is an apostle or prophet out there, and they're not doing their thing as faithful as you're doing your thing faithful, you'll have greater rewards. Much is given, much is required. Higher offices do not receive any more rewards, just a greater responsibility that goes with that office. So that, that's encouraging. But also, this crown can go to those that love is appearing. So, you know, I, I'm endeavoring to run for that one. Which love is bearing. Telling people, Jesus, you're coming every day. Even so, Lord, come. We'll get this job done. You're coming, Jesus. Uh, you know, to love and or, or be, to say, Lord, come. Come for us. And here there's a crown just for desire and just wanting him to come. So, you know, if you're looking for the Lord's coming and, and being busy about that, there's a crown that can wait you. The third is the crown of life. James 1.12 Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Again, it's still anybody. Anyone can get a crown of life. This crown is granted to those that overcame Satan temptation in the world, that kept themselves pure for the Lord, unspotted of the world. They were willing to lay down their lives for Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they're willing to forsake things in order to, to, to please the Lord. Now, this is also called the overcomer's crown or the martyr's crown. Revelation 2.10. And this is Jesus writing to the church. And I wish I had time to comment it, but it's great. Fear not those things that thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful, again, faithfulness, unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. You want to know an easy way to get a crown of life? Just be killed for Jesus. I mean, that, wouldn't that be an awesome opportunity? Now, don't get me wrong, when I was a baby Christian, that would scare me. 
And I'd say, I, I don't think I could die for Jesus. But now I said, my goodness, I get out of jail free car. I mean, this is the easy way to get a crown. Will you renounce Jesus? No way. Shoot, shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, when, when, when you understand that, I mean, that, that, that is a great way to go. That was a great way. I mean, that, that would be an honor to go that way. Just like those disciples. They, they, they left rejoicing worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And so, crown of life. Being faithful no matter what. Faithful unto death. For the crown of glory. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear... You shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, this crown, uh, I believe, is specific to those in the fivefold ministry. And it specifically talks about pastors, those, and it's talking about those that served the sheep well, those who, who, who uh, you know, used their offices and really honored Jesus by loving the sheep and, and you know, pastors that have served well, everyone that w did well. You know, how many know you can be called and, and, and not really care about people and you, you can just be in it for yourself. But here, when, when you love people and you love the Lord and you try to help people and you fulfilled your ministry office, there is a crown of glory. And the last crown is the incorruptible crown or the victor's crown. First Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Know ye not, they that run a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. Every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we a incorruptible crown. And, it, and he goes on, you know, the discipline and so forth. And again, this, this has to do just again, sacrificing and disciplining yourself before the Lord. Giving up earthly things in order to, to possess heavenly things. No act of sacrifice goes unnoticed to the Lord. And Jesus said this in Mark 10, 30. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, persecutions, and the world to come eternal life. What are you saying? Anyone that, that gave up and sacrificed for the Lord here and now, not only will be blessed in this life, but will be blessed in the next life. So there are crowns that are available to everyone. But we, we got about five and a half minutes. In the book of Revelation, the message seven churches, it gives us glimpses of other rewards. Here we, we saw crowns, but there are positions in heaven that can be earned. Revelation 2, 26. He that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, I will give power over the nation. Now that word power is authority. It denotes positions of authority in the administration of Jesus. Whether it's just in the millennium or after the millennium. Here, again, he's telling you overcome this you have a position awaiting for you. I mean, you know, you, even the workplace, you, you, you fulfill certain things, you can be promoted to a certain position. N no different with Jesus. 
And again, the mouth of two or three witnesses. These are just references that prove that there are positions that are waiting. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Know ye not that the saints shall judge or rule the world? And if the world shall be ruled by you, are you not worthy to judge or rule the smallest manners? So it talks about saint, saints going to rule. That means reign over things. Jesus said in Luke 19, 17 through 19, and he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in very little. Thou shalt have authority over ten cities. And the second came and said, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. He said, likewise, be thou over five cities. Jesus said that part of our faithfulness and rewards is positions of authority over cities, over nations, who knows? And so, you know, uh, you know we, we can strive to be a higher man on the totem pole. Now, thank God. Thank God. You, you, you know, I don't want to use the word peon, but that came to me. You know, you, you could just get in and walk the streets of gold and, and, and just be the lowest of position. Thank God for that. I don't know about you. I, I, I want as much as I can get up there. You know, I, I want my life to be worthy of him. But not only crowns, not only positions, special privileges. Revelation 2, 7. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So he said to one church, you overcome this, you make that correction, and you overcome, you know what I'm going to let you do? I'm going to eat out of this tree. Now, it's not for everyone to eat. He didn't say everyone's going to eat out of that. Just, this church, you overcome this, I'll let you eat this. So, we get to eat off a tree. Big deal, Jesus. But what does it taste like? What happens to you when you eat this? You know, there are certain things in the earth that causes an effect in your body. And of course, the devil uses drugs, you know, and so forth in, in a negative sense. But what, what happens? How does this thing taste? And what happens to us when we eat a tree of life? Very, very interesting. You, you understand, we, we just think, oh, a tree, big deal. I, I don't need, no. It's a big deal to Jesus. To overcome, you get this. You know, just, you know, if you have kids, grandkids, you know, they, they, they do, you ask them to do something, they do it. Guess what? You take them out for ice cream. And man, they love the ice cream. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a big tree. And so Jesus gets to take us out for ice cream. He said, you, you serve me. This is my ice cream. And I don't care you like Rocky Roads, you like pistachio, you like sherbet down here. It has nothing on the treats of heaven. Special privileges. Not for everyone. Yeah. And the angel's garden says, yeah, yep, you can eat it. You can eat it. Special privileges. Revelations 3.12. To him that overcometh, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go in no more and out. 
And I'll write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven from my God, and I'll write upon him my new name. We read that, and what's what's big thing? Being a pillar in the temple means a position that looks that works closely with the Father God. I mean, not everybody's going to work close with with the Father in the temple. You know, even people caught up, there's, there's stuff going on in the temple. Some people weren't permitted in that temple. And Jesus said, you overcome. I'll get you a position near God. That's what Moses wanted. I want to know him. I just want to know him. Paul said, that I may know him. I, 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 I want to, to show me, Lord, Moses would say. What a privilege, the great creator, to, to have a position right next to him, near him. Now, that's not all. Not only that, you overcome. Jesus said, I'll, I'll give you a new name, my name. You know what I see here? When, when you have good friends growing up, we, we had nicknames. And certain those names only... Those that loved were able to call you that. Imagine Jesus giving you a nickname. You're, you're up there and you, know, you have your regular name. But, you know, nicknames are personal. They're close. You know, a husband and wife have certain names to each other. But I, I, I cannot call you, any, any of you, the names that we call each other. Because it's... It's personal. Imagine Jesus have a personal name for you. Whatever it be. And he, he writes it. He says, that's, that's my name for you. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's just get running our race. I'm almost done. Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh, I'll grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and sat down in my father's, in his throne. Special seating assignments. VIP. You know, when we have the, the miracle crusade, there, there's special seating. You get to be up front. It's in the Bible. Well, we're all equal. Uh-uh. We're, we're all beloved of the Father, but what we do on earth determines in, 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 with, when we have uh, Jesus has pet rallies or we're in the convention, VIP sitting. There, there's, tw- there's 24 elders around the throne. That's not everybody. Special seating in heaven. This is why works are important. Can you, can you stand just one more? Also special rewards. Revelation 2, 17. He that has an ear to hear, let me hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh, while I give to eat of the hidden manna. Again, special treats. Not to everybody. Just to him that overcometh. And I'll give him a white stone and a stone with a new name written, which no man knoweth save him that receiveth it. The manna. 
What's it taste like? What's it do after you eat it? Where do you go after you eat it? You know, I don't, you know, it's not like, you know, we, we, well, I had breakfast this morning. No big deal. But Jesus said, you overcome. I'll let you eat some of this. And also, here it says, I'll give them a white stone. Again, I used to say, oh, thanks, Jesus. I served you, you give me a rock. You know, what's the stone look like? What does the stone do? You know, my wife loves the Green Lantern. You know, I always bring that up because I think this is cool. The Green Lantern had a little stone ring. And with that ring, anything he thought, a projection would happen. I mean, he, he, could, he can make a car, he can make a, a, a wall, he, anything. He had that ring, that ring did some things. And here Jesus said, this is a special board, this, this rock. Can you imagine walking into heaven, just kind of walking, minding your own business, streets of gold, and all of a sudden you hear whispers, he's got the white stone. He's got the white stone. You ask him, he said. No, you ask him, he said. And, all the time, and there's hundreds of people, and you bring out that white stone, whether it's the ring or whatever, and you show what that, that ring will do, I mean, that stone will do. To have it for all eternity. Yeah. Jesus said, these things await you. Let's just get it all. Final thoughts. Wherefore, seeing, Hebrews 12.1, seeing we're compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so does easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that it set before us. I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. Were you inspired? Yes. Were you inspired? I'm just, it's not meant to convey, oh my, I haven't done anything. No, bless God, Jesus isn't here yet. And you, still got, you still got breath in your, your lungs. You can start now every day, every day, every day. What can I do for him? Well, every day, every day, what can I do for him? Let's pr- pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. What, 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 a, what a privilege to be redeemed. What a privilege to be called sons and daughters of God. What a privilege to be a recipient of all heaven has to offer. But Father, what a privilege how you set it up for each one of us to run our race. And Father, not only to run our race and, and the joy, to do it with joy, Paul said. But Father, to stand before you and to please you and to bring Many sons to glory to bring much fruit at thy coming, O oh God. And Lord, I, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice. Father, that they would be branded by your spirit. To live their lives with purpose. To live their lives with anticipation. Looking for thy coming, O oh God. And Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit is so strong here right now. We worship you, Master. We worship you, Almighty God.